Welcome to Think Bible, the podcast that exists to challenge, edify, and encourage Christian women to think and live biblically, all for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Welcome, friends, back to the Think Bible podcast. We exist to edify, encourage, and challenge Christian women to think and live biblically for the glory of God. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith, and today it's just a few days before Christmas, and I wanted to share with you some thoughts from the Magnificat. That is the section in Luke chapter 1. In verses 46 through 55, where Mary is praising God for the gifts that he's given to her and um, allowing her to bear the Messiah and bring him into the world. She's just been to visit Elizabeth, who, as we know, with um, John the Baptist in her womb, she has recognized that Mary is carrying the Savior of the world. That's an interesting thought all on its own. We don't have record that anyone told Elizabeth what was going on, but she knew it. Maybe that was because the Holy Spirit told her. Maybe she had heard it from some other source. We don't know for sure. Um, but what a, a neat thing for these two women, both with miracle pregnancies, to get to meet together and share this joy together. So looking at the Magnificat, it's called that um, it's a Latin term, which means to magnify, and we're going to talk about that a little bit more later, but let's start with reading the text. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior, for he hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. He that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. That's such a beautiful song. Of course, it's in Hebrew, um, I'm sorry, in Greek, it would be poetry. Um, but it really just indicates the heart of Mary. She believed God and the things he told her, and she was willing to submit to his plan. What a contrast that was with Zacharias's response when the angel appeared to him and told them that his wife, um, now advanced in years, would be having a baby. He reacted with pride and doubt. And while we may not see all of those things in his words that are recorded in scripture, we know it is so because of the way God uh, reacted to him. Um, and so Zacharias was made uh, deaf and dumb until the day of his son's birth. 
But today we're looking more at Mary's song, and we know that she trusted and she believed God. Um, How do we know that? Well, of course, the words themselves indicate it. But did you notice that all of the verbs are in past tense? My spirit hath rejoiced. He hath regarded. Um, He that is mighty hath done. His mercy was on them. He hath showed strength. He hath put down the mighty. He hath filled the hungry. She's saying these things as though they've already happened. Partly they had already happened, and yet she was trusting about the things that God was going to do. Mary believed God's promises are as good as done, that he is faithful and true to his word. Through her and the unborn Messiah, those actions were complete. It reminds me of Philippians 1.6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He had begun a good work in Mary, and she trusted, she believed that he would perform it until it was done. Do you believe that with the things in your own life? The second theme we see in Mary's song is that of praise. As I mentioned earlier, magnificat means to magnify, to make something appear larger, or to extol or glorify. We see this word used in other portions of scripture, such as Psalm 34, 4. Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. I remember when I was in college, Jim Shetler was the pastor of the campus church there in Pensacola, Florida, where I attended. And since we were a college, he would frequently preach messages on marriage and dating. And one of the things he always said in his messages was this verse, Oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. And he would tell us, take a look at the person you're dating and your relationship together. If together you are able to magnify and glorify God better than you are apart, then that's a good sign that your relationship is on the right track. The faithful life of a Christian can and should magnify God in the eyes of others. We know in the New Testament, the Pharisees wanted to magnify themselves. They did this, according to Matthew 23, 5, in this way. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their phylacteries and enlarge the borders of their garments. That word enlarge is the same as the word magnify that Mary used in her prayer or her song. But the Pharisees' goal was to make themselves look better in the eyes of others. We read in Luke one fifty-eight, just a few ber- verses down from Mary's song, that Elizabeth's pregnancy and John's birth demonstrated God's magnified mercy on her and her cousins and her friends rejoiced with her in God's goodness. And of course, Philippians 1.20 is an excellent verse that talks about this. We know it's Paul's prayer. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, So now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. This is a fitting prayer for every follower of Christ. Lord, however you choose, allow my life to magnify you.
A third theme we see in Mary's song is rejoicing. What did Mary rejoice over? It says in um, verse 47, My spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Well, with a little help from Matthew Henry's commentary, we can make a pretty notable list of the things that Mary rejoiced about. Uh, First, we see for God's kindness, compassion, and condescension to her personally. He chose to use a simple, poor, young lady in his miraculous, eternal plan. Does he not use each of us, though, in these same ways? Whether that be in an orphanage in Africa, as I have a friend who's gone there to be used of the Lord, Whether that be in your church, maybe in a Sunday school or a music ministry, a ladies ministry, whether it be in your own home with your own children, your own family, a ministry of hospitality to others. There are so many ways that we can be part of God's kingdom plan. And God gives us kindness in letting us participate with him. Another thing Mary rejoiced over was God's greatness, which had been shown to her. She witnessed within her own body the virgin birth of Christ. She became the mother of the Messiah. The power of the highest was upon her. We certainly will not have the same experience as Mary in this regard. Yet God does demonstrate his greatness to each of us. Whether that be through his own creation and nature that we can observe, Maybe in the destinies of nations and rulers, and we see how God works in grand schemes. Maybe it's within our own families, or even in a very personal way. We all have seen God's greatness at work. Take some time to ponder the ways that you have seen God doing great things in your own life. Another thing that Mary uh, rejoiced in was God's favor in giving her a role in bringing the Messiah and thus salvation to the world. We too can have a part in sharing the Messiah in his gospel message with others, passing out tracts, witnessing to a co-worker, or simply living according to God's plan. All these things share salvation with the world. And the last way that Mary rejoiced was for God's faithful keeping of his promises and prophecies. Ever since Adam and Eve's fall in the garden, God had been promising to destroy that old serpent, the devil, and raise up one who would reconcile us to God. There are many prophecies telling us the specifics of the Messiah's birth, life, death, resurrection, and reign. If you've been following Think Bible, you've noticed that we've talked about those in our last blog and podcast with Sarah Lingle. But God didn't just drop these hints and then forget about them. He fulfilled every single one of them completely and fully. God remembered his mercy to save us lost sinners, and he performed his promise to send the Messiah. He's completely trustworthy for the past and for the future. Another theme in Mary's song, the Magnificat, is God's mercy. That's defined as the mercy and clemency, or the leniency of God, in providing and offering to men salvation by Christ. Listen to these verses. Ephesians 2, 4-7 But God 
who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Notice those past tense verbs, just like in Mary's song that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. God chose to give us mercy, withholding the punishment we surely deserve for our sins, in order that instead he might show us grace and kindness. And those past tense verbs guarantee to us that it's already done. Hebrews 4.16 talks about God's mercy as well, and it tells us, Come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. God wants us to ask him for mercy as we go through the everyday trials and struggles of life. James 2.13 ensures, He shall have or receive judgment without mercy, that hath showed no mercy, and mercy rejoices against judgment. If we withhold mercy to others when it is in our power to give it, God will judge us without mercy as well. That's not a place we want to be, I'd say. God's mercy, his desire to help the troubled and the afflicted, is evident in every aspect of the gospel and the Christmas story. From Elizabeth's late pregnancy to Mary's virgin um, conception, from John to Jesus, from Jew to Gentile, from creation to today and on into eternity, God's mercy encompasses it all. And the last theme that we'll see today in Mary's Magnificat is salvation. Really, this passage of scripture would be considered an Old Testament passage because Jesus hadn't been born yet. John the Baptist had not yet announced the coming of the Messiah. So this is really a transition period. Um, it would be before what we would call the gospel had happened. And yet let's see how often and how clearly salvation is taught in Mary's song. First, she starts by saying, my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my savior. Mary recognized her need of a Savior. Even, even though she was the one bearing the Messiah, she still needed his life, death, and resurrection to pay for her sins. And she's not the only one. Every single human that's ever been born has needed salvation. All generations shall call me blessed. Why? because through Mary, the Messiah brought salvation to the world. This salvation is for everyone who believes on him, people of every tribe, every nation, every language, and every time. All can be saved. All we must do is repent and believe on Jesus Christ. How is the gospel mentioned in this uh, song of Mary? Well, first she says, holy is his name. In other words, God is the one that sets the standards, which all humans have violated. Then she says, God's mercy is on them that fear him. 
To fear someone is to respect, honor, obey, submit. Those are the things that God asks of us. He hath scattered the proud and exalted them of low degree. Well, this tells us that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. And to be saved, we must humble ourselves and become as a little child in faith and belief. He fills the hungry, that is the spiritually hungry, and sends the rich empty away. Matthew Henry can once again help us understand this. He says, Those who are full of themselves and think they need nothing are sent away empty, back to the gods of their own making. But those who see their need are filled with him by the best things. Wisdom, peace, joy, love, and very God himself in the person of the Holy Spirit. John 6.35 succinctly um, states this fact. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So we've seen five different themes in the Magnificat. Trust, praise, rejoicing, mercy, and salvation. How should we respond? Well, as Mary did, we should also trust in God, his word, and his promises. We should also praise his character and his nature and magnify him through the way we live our lives. We should also rejoice in his kindness, his goodness, his greatness, and his faithfulness to us. And we must recognize his mercy to us even when we were undeserving. And lastly, we should ask in humility for his salvation. Remember the poignant moment when Mary and Joseph are told that there is no room at the inn? Every mother on the planet moans at that awful announcement. It's difficult to imagine being in labor and nearing delivery while on the back of a donkey with no place to go. But God comes through and provides a stable for shelter and a manger for the baby's crib. Not exactly ideal, but the picture really couldn't be any clearer. Do we make room for the Savior in our lives? Or do we push him out the back door where he won't be in the way? Another interesting aspect to study of Mary's song is its comparison with other songs in the Bible such as Hannah's prayer over Samuel, or Moses' victory song when the children of Israel left Egypt and crossed the Red Sea. In that second song, Moses says, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song, and he is become my salvation. He is my God and I will prepare him an habitation. My father's God, and I will exalt him. Exodus 15, 1 and 2. Will you do that this Christmas? Will you prepare him an habitation, a place of residence and honor within your own heart? As you do, ponder and meditate on Mary's song found in Luke 1. May you too trust, praise, and rejoice in God 
as you see his mercy and salvation at work in your life. Many blessings to you and yours this Christmas season. You've been listening to the Think Bible Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Smith. Please visit us at our website, www.thinkbible.online to learn more about our ministry or to take advantage of the resources we have there for you. That's www.thinkbible.online. You can also find us at Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the name Think Bible. Until next time, let's all think and live biblically for the glory of God.